creation has been designed. Okay, so probably nobody in here is going to argue, yeah, we believe in a creator and create, uh, you know, uh, God created the universe, okay? We're probably all in agreement here with that. But I want us to take that a step further, that not only has creation been created, but it has been designed. So God has not just been somebody far removed from the project that just made it happen, but he's right there in the middle of it. Some of you parents, you know what this is like when your kids come home and they have that seventh grade science project and they've got to do this whole planetarium. Before you know it, you've done the whole thing. The kids are fine with it. You know, they just sat there on their phone the whole time or played video games and it's done. But anyways, you were there, weren't you? You were intimately involved in that process, maybe even too much. But I want us to think about that and bring that to here, to creation, to what God has done. God is so specifically involved in his creation That he is given a purpose. He is given a specific design for everything. So that was the number one. Creation has been designed. Number two, it has been designed with specific purpose for God's glory and our joy. This is one of our biggest misconceptions. We have it so many times. If we think, man, we see, we read the Bible and we see commands: don't do this, don't do that, do this and do that, and we begin to just think that, man, this is just a code that I have to fulfill. This is just a a list of of moral duties that I have to fulfill to be a Christian. Rather than than seeing it as what, uh, in in the New Testament, what it says, what is loving God? In 1 John, it says, what is loving God? Loving God is obeying His commandments and what? Does anybody know the rest? His commandments are not burdensome. That it's a joy. It is a joy to follow God. It is a joy. And I'm not saying it's easy. You know, you're going to have sorrow. But it is a joy to follow his design for things. His design for sexuality is better. His design for manhood and woman is better. His design for um, marriage is better. For the way we view our work, for being moms and dads and kids, for being church members. His design for those things is better. But we also know that because of the fall, because of what we read last week, we know that something is wrong. That we have a deep foundational problem with the way that we view those things. We have a deep foundational problem with how we pursue them. And how the world pursues them. Manhood and womanhood are links in a bigger chain. They are pages in a bigger story. And that story is about Jesus. The entire Bible. It's about Him. And everything in it is about Him. And manhood And womanhood are about Him. We don't exist for ourselves. That's one of the deep, um, really deep, I think, things that contradict the ways that we feel a lot of time. Because I know Marty's preached on it before about this Disney-fied culture. Uh, It's always just about, you know, fulfilling what you want to do. It's always, if if you can dream it, you can do it. You know, it's just fulfilling our heart's desires, following our heart. We, me and uh, Hope watched uh, that Moana yesterday. And, I, and one of the deep, like, and it was a pretty good movie. It was okay. Um, I'm a little bit tired of The Rock. The Rock is in everything now, and I'm just sick of it. I'm, he's in everything. And if y'all saw my Facebook post this week, I did the Jumanji 2 trailer. That is a travesty. That trailer is a travesty. It has nothing to do with Jumanji, the first movie. So, but anyways, I won't rant on that anymore. Uh, but, but back to Moana, that the basic worldview that happens is you just don't know who you are. At the end, she meets like this villain, you know, and it's all fiery and brimstone and, and she just looks it dead in the face. You just, you don't know who you are. So, and then, then she becomes this beautiful woman all covered in grass and trees and it's kind of weird, but 
Um, she's just this beautiful thing, and it's, it turns into an island. But basically, her biggest issue was, man, she was just a villain because she didn't know who she was. And she really just needed to find herself. Just find herself. Well, she found herself all right, didn't she? Um, but into really what I want to talk to first is what is known as the Imago Day. That means it's Latin for the image of God. And we know that we have been created in the image of God, but that means some things. So let's get to right to it. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. Then God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So here we, have, we already talked about last week that the Trinity is at work here and the Trinity is talking to themselves, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And they're saying, let's make man in our own image. Let's make a creature different from everything we've created thus far who has the capability to worship, who has the capability to praise, who has, who has a soul and who can know God. So that they were a community group. They were a small group. And they opened the group to people, to man and to woman. A couple ways that we have, have really been designed to be in this image of God here is he says three things. Authority, dominion, and communal multiplication. Authority, dominion, and communal multiplication. He said, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and the livestock and over everything. Let them have leadership over it. Let them have the authority to decide what to do with this creation. Let them rule over it. And let them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and everything and everything and everything. This is to reflect the Trinity. This is to reflect God. This is to reflect Jesus who has ultimate authority and dominion over all things. For by Him and from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. And multiplication and we know Jesus is a multiplicator, is he not? Just a couple fish, a couple loaves of bread. We saw what happened there. And what I really want us to understand too here is that it was this oneness. This, and the Trinity is so hard to understand. And we're never going to fully understand it. Um, and obviously that doesn't give us an excuse to just be like, oh, we won't know. So I'm just not going to ever think about it or worry about it. But the oneness, the, just the united intimacy within the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit community, it overflowed into creating life, okay? And just as it has overflowed into creating life, when a man and a woman come together in marriage, their oneness, their unitedness overflows into creating life, does it not? Mark 10, 7 through 8 says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. They become one. And that in and of itself, is displaying God's nature. Next thing I want to talk about, and we'll get even more into this um, probably next week as we talk about biblical womanhood, but uh, I want to talk about a thing called complementarianism. Complementarianism, basically it means you complement one another, okay, right? That men and women have been created, after, after we've been created in the image of God and God has given us commands, things we are to do, things we are to abide by, 
Things ruling and having authority and multiplying. Men and women are different. Now, I hate to just really shatter some of y'all this morning. Because some of y'all probably just didn't know that. That men and women are very different. And, And part of those differences are designed. They're not designed to contradict one another, but when a man and a woman gets married and they become one flesh, they are to complement one another. Both have attributes, both have things that God has designed for them for their joy, for their wife's joy, or vice versa, and for their family's joy, and, and ultimately for the joy of the world and for the glory of God. This, 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 this points right back to the Trinity. This points right back to Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right? Right? Where the Spirit, what does the Holy Spirit do? That when we become saved, when we come to know Jesus, the Spirit fills us, right? And we become born again. We have that rebirth. And we have a helper with us always, Jesus, who's always with us. We don't go to a temple for the presence of God, but the presence of God resides in us, in our hearts, always. And we know Jesus' role was different, right? Jesus' role and the Holy Spirit were different. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And the Spirit seals those lost. And sanctifies them. Sanctifies us. Draws us closer to God. And grows us in holiness. And so, as we see that complementarianism, as as man and woman are to complement one another, I want us really to spend today is talking about, then what is man's design? Because we saw all those pictures. There's so many views. There's so many westernized cultural things that we have that we don't ever even notice. We just don't ever even notice. But we think, man, that's what a man is. But what a man is, is what God says a man is. It's what God has designed a man for. And if we are to pursue him, then we are going to want to follow his design, don't we? I mean, it's like if you have a computer, and if there's anything that frustrates me more, it's a computer who, like, the, des- the design, the software, and the hardware, they just mess up, right? And you're like, we just bought this, like, two years ago. Why is it messing up? You know, it's just, it's annoying, isn't it? It's just, man, that'll get your blood boiling quick, you know, when that computer tears up. But all those things usually happen when, what happens? You get the update, don't you? You make the update, and this happens to iPhones. I just had to get a new iPhone recently, too, because my other phone, I had the, the iPhone 6, and it just turned white. It's called the white screen of death. Okay, it's just a white screen. It's got the little Apple logo. You're not getting to it. You're not, you're not going to be able to turn it on. You're not going to be access to your pictures. So I lost everything from camp. Um, and so part of that was as new iPhones come out, they make new updates for new phones. And when the old phones get them, what happens? They tear up. It's time to get a new one. They do that on purpose. I don't know if you all know that or not. Um, but that's a lot of ways that happens to us in, in our view of manhood and womanhood. So if we want those things to work right, right, it has to be the right hardware for the right software. Ladies, the man has to have the right hardware and the right software to be the man of God that you desire. So Genesis 2, 15, 2 through 19, and this is really where God shows us what a man is to be. Starting in verse 15. The Lord God took the man... And put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And so the first thing right there, what does he do? He gives him a job. So before Adam even had a wife, he had a job. He had a job. Dads, think about that when you think about your kids dating, your daughters dating. Before Adam had a wife, he had a job and he could provide. 
The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. He was to subdue it, right? To have dominion over it, to lead it. And that was a part of y'all who, who have a little garden. We've got, me and my uncle have a garden in our backyard. Of like, you're multiplying things, aren't you? You just sow some seed and, you know, a couple months, you do the right thing. Here you got a bunch of tomatoes, you got cucumbers, watermelon, all, all that stuff. He was to work and to keep. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. So let me just, this is just a quick little thing. Anybody who says that science contradicts scripture or that somehow Christians or Christianity is just anti-science, right here in the beginning, God commands scientific research. He demands taxonomy for Adam to name the animals. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the heavens and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So we saw that he was designed to lead and that he was designed to have authority and dominion. He was designed to work. This is pre-fall, okay? So even before sin was here, we weren't just destined to just have a, you know, eternal retirement. Where we just stroll the beach and play bingo and collect shells. And say, God, look at my shells. Look what I've done for you today. I've collected all these shells. He's not designed that for us. He has designed us to work. He's designed us to multiply. And then it, he gave Adam a command, didn't he? Oftentimes we miss this, and there's so many times that I have missed this too, is that when God gave this command, Eva's not here yet, is she? Adam's here. And God tells the man, this is what I expect of you. And you will have so much joy. And you will glorify me if you just follow my word. And part of this is the ultimate design of man too, to have responsibility and to lead his wife. Because what happens is we see that Eve is created and that it is now Adam's job to lead her, to nurture her, to guide her, to protect her, to preserve her, and to teach her to be the spiritual leader. Not just financial, not just bringing home the bacon and she's cooking it, but to lead her spiritually. And we see that later in chapter 3 that something, something terribly went wrong with that, that Adam failed to lead his wife. He failed to protect her and failed... To preserve her. We know that men are designed to lead. We see this everywhere. Even the world sees this. Think about dancing. You know, think about your, your Cinderella and they go to the ball and it's, it's the prince who leads the dance, doesn't he? It's the man who leads in the dance. We don't ever just have fantasies of, man, wouldn't it just be great for just the woman just to lead that dance? That just sounds weird, doesn't it? But it is the man who leads. We know this in our nature. We know this in pastoral ministry, Right? That's in 2 Timothy. You can go and read that for yourself of the way that God has designed us to complement one another, but to have different roles even in the realm of church. We know this in the home. In your home, men, you are to be the leader. 
You are to be a good and kind and generous and merciful and just leader in your home. You are to be the leader financially. You are to be the leader in example in the way that you live your life. You are to be the leader in how you read scripture, how you pray, how you train your kids in godliness, how you serve your church, how you give, how you pursue her heart. You are to lead in how you want them to follow Jesus. You are to be the leader there. And so he has these commands and we see that we have been designed to work, to steward, to manage, to shepherd as he does with the animals, as he does with the crops, and as God commands him to do with his wife. We as men are created to be producers, not just consumers. We are created to to make things happen, to create with our hands. We've not been created to just to just work and get money and just keep getting bigger TVs and more video games and go to more football games as much as I love football. That's not what we're designed ultimately for. We're designed to give. When it comes to church, how many of us only consume but never give? And I don't mean just financially. I mean with our time, with our energy, with our efforts. How many of us only consume? Oh, they'll do that. They already have people doing that. Man, I wouldn't be that good at that. That's not a qualification for manhood. In Ephesians, it says, Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. As Marty will get to in a couple weeks, when he talks about marriage and sexuality, we see that this union represents the gospel. It represents Jesus and his bride, us. And I, want to, I know some of that sort of sounded like maybe a rebuke, but it really wasn't. I just want us to see what Scripture tells us, what God says a man is. But some of you, you've already done that. You've already been doing these things for years. And I just want to thank you. And I want to send praise to you, honestly. That you are doing what God has designed you to do. That you are leading your family, you are shepherding your family, you're praying over your family. You're showing them what it means to walk with God. Men, you're setting the example for your daughters of the type of man that they should demand. And you're showing them through how you treat your wife the type of way they should be treated themselves. Some of you do this in other ways too, by just caring for your elderly parents. That is, that is the design of biblical manhood, of, of having dominion and authority and leading and loving and giving and sacrificing yourself by caring for your parents. Some of you do that. Some of you are just super gifted at really nurturing your family emotionally. Most men are not. But some of you really are. Now with all that, let me just go to the side just for a brief moment. Some of you are single. Some of you are widowed. So what do we think about that? How can, how can you do this? Well, if you're a man here and you're single, you're widowed, let me tell you a command here. From, from Paul in 1 Corinthians 4.15, he says, but For though you have countless gods in Christ, you have all these people who teach you the way and the truths of the gospel and of God's word. You do not have many fathers. There are so many people that don't have many fathers. Good fathers who nurture and preserve them and shepherd them and lead them and set an example for, the, for them. Paul says, I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So the command will be simple. If you're a man here, you're single, you're widowed, you don't have kids, your kids are out of the house, you're not, man, what do I do? Go father somebody. 
Go find somebody who needs to be trained in godly manhood, who needs to be led, who needs to be taught practical things like how to set up a budget, you know, how to, you know, navigate through college and jobs or do we do this or do that, how to treat a woman. Find somebody and do that. Ladies, do the same thing. Mother somebody. Find somebody who needs your wisdom, your counsel. Maybe that's serving here on Wednesday nights. I don't know. Maybe that's somebody in your family. Maybe it's a cousin or a niece or a granddaughter that you just want to intentionally pursue. Pray about that. God will lead you in it. He will lead you. Genesis chapter 2, verse 23. And we see here, he he got all these commands and God puts Adam in a deep sleep because there wasn't a helper fit for him, right? Because the woman becomes made for him. And while he created all things from, from, from his hands and he created them with the dirt and the dust of the earth, He takes a piece of Adam. He takes his rib and he molds her. It literally means that, and out of the ground the Lord God formed. So he spends extra time on Eve, on the woman. And he brings her to him. And Adam sings the first song. This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So much music today portrays just gruesome, gross, and just awful and disrespectful things about women. Terrible things. But before the fall, the way God has designed it is for women women to be praised by man. Not to be worshipped, but to be praised. To be respected. For men to understand their profound worth. Whether you're a mom or a wife or a daughter, you are entitled to respect and to the praise that God has designed here. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Not ashamed. As I said earlier, dads, you, you will really exemplify what it looks like to treat a woman, and your sons will follow. Your sons will see how you treat your wife and they will follow. Your daughters will see how you treat your wife and they will expect that in return. So many ways we, we just totally ignore and walk away and neglect the way that God has designed us to treat women, men. Maybe even just some small things like holding the door open. When they're on the way to the car, just opening the car door and letting them in. Getting up out of the seat when you're in a room, you know, when a woman comes in and there's no seats. You get up, right? That's just a common thing that we are to do. We do this from a national perspective of, you know, pushing women on the front line of war. And it's not to say that they can't do things. It's not to say, you don't have the ability to do this. You're just not strong enough. Because there's a lot of strong women out there. It's not about that. But it's about the male leading and be willing to give up his life for her. Maybe it's a disrespect towards your mom that you're ignoring the way God has designed. Maybe it's your sister. For teenagers, we talked about this a couple months ago, it's this whole idea of talking. Of what happens is boys just talk with girls all the time. And they're talking to tons of girls at the same time. They're Snapchatting tons of girls at the same time. And just acting like it's all innocent and playful and just fun. But really what they're doing is they're just they're playing with their hearts. Now girls do this to guys too. 
but they're really, they're playing with their hearts, they're playing with their, demotion, their emotions, and this is not how God has designed it. What about pornography? That, what, how do you think that that lowers the value of women, the value of men, the value of manhood and womanhood? What about if it's just a, man, you're good, you're good to your, to your spouse, you're good to your wife, you're good to, to girls. But really what it is, is you're just lonely. And you're using your significant other to fulfill your needs. To fulfill your desires, your hopes, and your source of just joy. That you're looking to them, ultimately they're a God to you. And so many of your arguments, so many of your, your, the strife that you have is because they're not meeting your needs. Rather, when the man has been designed to lead, to shepherd, and to give himself up for his wife. To serve, to produce, not just consume. So much of your marital strife is a result because you're looking at your, your spouse to fulfill your needs. You're looking, you're looking at your marriage of, man, how can she serve me? This is how she's not serving me. Rather than, how can I serve you. God has created men to lead and to be bold, not to be passive. If there's one thing all across the, the South today, because July 4th is Tuesday, there are going to be just realms and realms of worship services that just worship patriotism and worship the good red, white, and blue. And I love our country and I have no disrespect towards our country. But if we really want to think about what the, one of the biggest issues for the church today, it's not politicians, it's not people outside the church, but it's a lack of men. It's, a, it's tons and tons of churches who are filled with little boys who can shave, but they don't pursue their wife. They're not intentional with their kids emotionally and spiritually. You know, they just leave that up to the wife. Bible stories, you know, singing songs of worship, you know, taking them to Sunday school and church. That, that's just a womanly thing. But God has designed the male to lead that. And we saw a failure in that spiritual leadership was a result in the fall. We talked about last week that all throughout the New Testament, when it mentions the fall, who does it ascribe it to? Adam, doesn't it? The fall of Adam. The nature of Adam. Because he failed to lead spiritually the way that God had designed him to. Ultimately, it all points us to someone much bigger. The true and better Adam who would lead well. And from him, we really find out what masculinity is. What real manhood is. What a true husband and father is. Let's think about him. Jesus, the perfect image of God. In whom all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. He never dated. He never married. The ruler of God's church is a single male. So if we have any type of view that, man, to really be a man, you've got to get married. That's what makes you a man. Or you've got you to gotta do this. Maybe you've got to think, man, i just got to go to college. You just didn't go to college. Maybe you think, you just got to get your finances right. You've got to have that 401k. Jesus never had a 401k. He never owned a home. He was homeless. Jesus was an average dude walking from through an average town, Nazareth, a no-name town. And he worked with his hands. He built stuff out of wood. He was a carpenter. And if Jesus exemplifies what it really looks like 
to be a male, to be a man of God, then some of our categories and our stereotypes are totally wrong. Jesus, he was tough, wasn't he? And he is tough. Jesus is tough, but he is also tender. He's nurturing, and he cares, and is intentional. He was merciful, but he is also just. He's affectionate. Men, are you affectionate with your kids? Do they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you love them? Do you hug them? Do you kiss them? Even when they get older. Yeah, obviously things change. When Pastor talked about, you know, um, his son after a baseball game, one of the ways that he would show his affection towards him, because he's being intentional in that. Um, you know, he's a teenager. Just, you know, a big bear hug after a game and kiss on the top of the head. You know, because obviously you're not going to probably show your affection towards your 14-year-old son the same way you showed your 4-year-old. You know, you're probably talking like this, like it's a little puppy dog, you know. And, you know, you're doing the baby talk and, you know, kissing it on the cheek and, you know, all that good stuff. But there's a way that those things tend to change, but it's for us to continue to be intentional on in that. And that's one thing I really want us to get big time here is that Jesus is intentional. Are you intentional? Are you just sitting here like, man, if that happened, if the things happened, um, if she just did this, man, that would just, we could do it. Or, if, man, I'm just busy. You know, Jesus took time out of his day. He took time out of eternity to spend with people. To spend with his bride, the church. With those disciples. With the people that he would meet who would come to know him. Are you spending your time intentionally with your spouse? Are you spending time intentionally with just people in general? Or are you just... Man, I'm just, I'm really an introvert, so, like, you know, I'm really just socially exhausted, so I just need some time to myself. I, we all need some time to ourselves. Jesus took time to himself. But predominantly, he didn't spend most of his time to himself. He spent it with people. Do you do that with your kids? I know growing up, our house, it was just, my dad sat at the uh, fireplace, smoked his cigarette, you know, uh, and... My brother was in his room, shut the door, watched TV, talked to his friends on the phone. I might be in the living room, I might be in my room playing video games. Mom was working nights. And so that was just kind of our home. But really, what needed to happen there was, no, you're not going to leave the door shut. You're not just going to be in your room every single day. No, you're not going to be in your room playing your video games every single day. You're not going to talk to your friends every single day. We're going to spend time together. But there should be some intentional relationship building within that where lessons are taught and, and he, uh, we're able to find out what it looks like to be a man. Are you a servant as Jesus was? Jesus was a servant, wasn't he? To the point of death, even death on a cross for us. Jesus was generous. He gave whatever he had to people and he loved them. And he engaged spiritually and emotionally. So as we, we've talked about this entire time, how God had designed Adam to shepherd his wife, to lead her, to care for her, to nurture her, to attend to her emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And we saw part of the failure of the fall was because he, he, he failed. He failed to lead her spiritually. And we know because of him, we're going to fail to lead spiritually. So many ways we're going to fail. But we have an advocate, don't we? 
First John, one of my favorite verses, chapter 2, verse 1. He became a father to the church. And he said, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. To the point of death, Jesus did everything to show God off to the world. So I pray for you guys, men, that you would make it your aim, that you would show God off to your wife, to your kids, to your grandkids, to your neighbors. Show Him off by following the way that He has designed you. Ladies, I pray that you would show God off to the world by by looking at this design that God has for men and honoring it and cherishing it and seeing it as a good and glorious design for your good and your joy and God's glory. For those of you who are single, that maybe you know, you're going to be married one day. Most, most people who are single are, become married. Um, let these things be the standard for you of what it looks like for a husband. Because no matter how funny they are, there's coming a time when they're not going to be that funny to you. No matter how cute they are, they're going to get uglier. You know, that's just reality. This is what matters most. Are they pursuing Jesus and following God's design for their manhood? Some of you are here today and you've heard all these things and the whole time you've just, man, I can't do that. I can't do this. And I see these, these spots and these, these errors that I have and these ways that I've failed. And I see, man, I could do that, but it's going to be really awkward. You know, I would love to just get a family devotional started once a week, maybe 10 minutes where we would just read Scripture and pray together, maybe sing a song together. But it's just going to be awful because my kids are just terrible. Like you're sitting there, man, they're going to be crying. He's going to be poking and pinching the other one and I'm going to have to spank them and then everybody's going to be crying and I'm going to be mad and my anxiety's going to be up and I'm going to be really hot because the blood's rushing everywhere because I'm angry. Like you're just, you're just there and you're just like, man, I can't do this. Let me tell you that, that as God has called for us to be gospel men, He also provides a helper. The Holy Spirit. So if you are in Christ, if you know Jesus... You have the Holy Spirit in you. You have a helper with you. You're not alone. One who will meet provision for your needs. If God has commanded it, He will provide. Trust Him. Trust in God's provision for you to be a gospel man. And to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Ladies, trust the Holy Spirit. Trust God to help you and to lead you to follow the example that God has designed for men, that you would keep that as your expectation, that you would not settle, that you would not lower your expectations, and that you would not squander eternal blessings for temporary comforts. But follow God's design. It is for your good. It is for your joy. And it is for the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, you are good and you are glorious. I thank you for your word who has, who has informed us and enlightened us and showed us what it looks like to be a man. 
God, we've drifted so far away from, the, from Eden. We, we've wandered so far away from your original design. But I pray that in Christ today, we would return to you. We would come back and we would say, God, my manhood is yours. Help me to be a gospel man to my wife, to my kids, to my grandkids, to my neighbors, to my family, to my church. Holy Spirit, may you, may you enable us to be men of God. May you enable us to be servants as Jesus was a servant. May you enable us to be intentional as Jesus was intentional. May you enable us to lead spiritually as Jesus has led spiritually. God, help us. God, and I pray for our ladies, God, that they would pursue you just as well. God, that they would see the design for men and that that would be their expectation for a boyfriend, for a spouse. That that would be their expectation for their husband. And that you would teach them how they can serve and how they can help in this process. How they can be an encourager to their failing and sinful husband. That in Christ you are still with them and that you are making and molding them into the way that you have designed them to be. Father, help us to be men and women of the gospel proclaim with our lives and our lips Jesus in my place condemned he stood but now I have his perfect righteousness and I am his so Father help us to use our lives for you and for your glory and free us free us from regret free us from our sin and may we find hope in you in Jesus name amen um, if you're here today and Man, you've heard these things all of your life. You've heard the gospel. But you've never really fully submitted to God's design. That Jesus is in the gospel has just been things in your head. It's just been an intellectual thing. Yeah, of course I believe the Bible. Of course I believe there's a God. God did all this. But today you have seen, man, Christ is Lord. And He is the epitome of manhood. And He is the one that I really aspire to. Because all along you've worked for the approval of your father, of your grandfather of your spouse. I just want them to be proud of me. And they are really your God. They are really your Lord. You can submit to Jesus today and give Him your life today by confessing your sin to Him and just saying, take me. I'm yours. So go to Him. We're going to sing and we're going to worship. Maybe for you that means just not singing and just praying and just giving yourself to the Lord. Maybe you just have questions. How do I do How I'm really struggling with this. Talk to me. Talk to Tyler. Talk to Marty. Talk to any of the deacons. Maybe you, you have a friend, a family member who just loves Jesus and you think, man, that's a man right there. Talk to them. Ask them for help. Jesus was humble. And gospel manhood produces humility for us. We've got a card too in the back of the, the seats. If, if you have questions, if you have you know a commitment you want to make known to us, you can write those things out and turn them in the offering. But we're just going to continue to worship Jesus and worship our God who has created us for joy and for His glory.